Hello, everybody. It's Colin Ellis here, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the <laughs> welcome, welcome. That's three welcomes to the Culture and Coffee podcast for Monday, the second of May, two thousand and twenty-two. Uh, three welcomes. Clearly, I'm in a good mood. It's always it's always nice to start the week in a good mood. I always think so. Anyway, you know, when you have a good weekend and your sports team does well and you slightly more over the jet lag than you were earlier in the week. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a good start to the week. It's, you know, I was talking last week, I did, um, I came back from overseas and went into kind of three full, I got a day at home, travelled, and then did three uh, days delivery and did a leadership programme. I was talking about attitude. I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, the most important, most important decision we make every day. I think if you can, if you can start the day you know, kind of in that way, you know, then it, it can only, it can only get worse, pessimistic view, it can only get worse from there, but actually it could also only get better. So yes, good, work. welcome, 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 yeah, um, no, no fast, flashy, fancy location today, I'm back in the basement, it's the basement episode, and I've got my cup of coffee here, ready to go, and um, yeah, let's see what the week has in store. I'm actually pretty busy, actually, for the next, oh, man, until, probably until July. It's where you want to be. Like, and I've talked about it on the podcast before. Like, I never, it was never a plan to work for myself. And it was never, you know, when you kind of think about your life and you're like, oh, this is this is what I expected and this was what I expected to do. I always wanted to be happy in my job. That was That was always a thing you know, kind of that, I always pursued that happiness. I never wanted to take a backward step unless it enhanced my level of knowledge and skills such that it eventually lead to a forward step. But yeah, no, working for myself was never in that, was 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 never in the plan. You know, and kind of been, it, it's, is it six years now? 2014, 15. It's kind of, I think it's six years now that I've been working for myself. And and I suppose once I start, you know, in the early days where I had no work and zero work, the, the goal was just to get to the point where I was doing doing good work to the point where people were talking to other people about it, if that makes sense. Where someone would say, oh, if you need to do like a culture workshop, go, go and speak to this guy. Or that, that was my goal is to, is to kind of give away lots of value. I still, I still, I, you know, I, I still over deliver on my program. So when I'm working with my clients and I, I've mentioned this in the past, I tailor everything I do. I don't believe there's anything standard. I don't think there's a standard organization. And certainly for me, um, I I was on the receiving end of lots of development programs. Some good, some just appalling. So I think I think I have a pretty good sense of of what employees are looking for. But I always try and do that a little bit more. I always try and I always try and do that a little bit more. So people are like, oh, well, that was great, and we didn't expect that. Not you know, I'm not talking about you know wearing my clothes the wrong way round or something like that. Just more more value, more practical value. Um, yeah, and I'm, and I'm, you know what's been really great this year is I kind of think. I'm not, and I'm not resting on my laurels, and, and I'm not being arrogant here, but 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 I'm getting approaches, which is great. Um, 
And so that just makes me want to be better. And the work that I did in the US, in fact, every client that I work, I don't really have a favorite client, any favorite clients, because I just want to work with people who want to improve just the little things that they do. Um, and I think everyone that I worked with, everyone that I work with just, I guess, just motivates me and inspires me to be better. And I spend my weekends reading, I spend my weekends reading articles, blogs, uh, one of my friends sent me a TED talk, which I watched, which was which I hadn't seen before, which I really enjoyed. So that was great. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I'm starting off the week in exactly the way that I would want to, and and really looking forward uh, doing a culture program this time. I'm doing a culture program. I've got three speeches this week and a two day culture program. So lots lots to look forward to. Anyway, you don't want to hear about that. Um, I'm going to talk about leadership this week. Uh, actually, I'm going to talk about five things leaders do differently. I think the reality is leaders do lots and lots of things differently. But I'm going to give you what I believe to be five key things kind of in 2022 um, and beyond. This week's coffee. I'm back home and couldn't couldn't be bothered. I'll be honest with you. I couldn't be bothered going further afield for the coffee because only had one day at home, went straight to New South Wales got home late on Friday and the airport was just a, oh, it was a right schmozzle. It really, really was. We're queuing outside the terminal because they didn't have enough staff and security and the baggage took ages to come off. But you know what? First world problems. And I think you just have to remember those things. When I, you know, I feel, I felt that sense of anger and frustration, but I was like, you know what? Oh, boo-hoo, your luggage is coming off late. You know, it's not really a problem, is it? Anyway, went to the local place, went to my local coffee roasters, 10 minutes down the road, 10 minute walk down the road. Awesome. They do fabulous coffee. And it's a Gitarka coffee from Kenya, which is roasted by a wide open road coffee uh, here in Melbourne. Uh, coffee notes of lychee, vanilla bean, and Earl Grey. Let me just have a quick taste of this. Uh, very, yeah, very Earl Grey. Very Earl Grey. I don't like Earl Grey. You know, funny funny thing about Earl Grey, I'm not sure if you know the story. I'm going to divert away from coffee and move to tea here. I know there's a couple of people who don't like coffee who listen to the podcast. So hopefully the rest of the content is good. But if you're still listening, you haven't fast forward, here's a bit about tea that you may or may not uh, know. About Earl Grey anyway. It's an acquired taste, Earl Grey. It's like, it's kind of, uh, it, it's got like this perfume aroma which is because it's flavored if you didn't know this i'm sure you did it's flavored with um bergamot oil bergamot oil or oil of bergamot whatever it is and and it's it's quite mysterious my 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 brother used to drink earl grey i'm not sure if he still does drink earl grey um but like they don't really there's kind of confusions around where it actually came from um now according to the the actual Grey family, it was a tea that was specially blended for the the second Earl Grey, I think his name was Charles, in the early 1800s. So it was specially blended for him. The only thing I know about Charles Grey is he had 15 kids. 15, that's one, five kids. Like, and just when I thought two was hard, imagine having 15 kids. Anyway, um, but it was specially blended because they wanted it to suit the water that they got at their stately home, which was in Northumberland. Northumberland is in the northeast, it's far northeast of England. It's the kind of the county that borders Scotland. Um, and because there was lots of lime 
in the water, they, 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 they used bergamot to offset the lime. So there you go. Um, and I think um, his the Earl Grey's wife, Lady Grey, used to serve it in London. And she was asked if the, she was asked by a local tea company if they could sell it. And that's how Twinings came to market it as a brand. So there you go. Um, there is a there is a, um, another story that a tea company said that it was uh, the recipe was given to them. I think it was Jackson's in Piccadilly. Um, but anyway, so Earl Grey is called quite. It's not meant to be drunk with milk. I, I it, it's meant to be drunk without milk. And someone drank it with milk. Who I was with. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm having Earl Grey and I'm putting milk in. I'm like, you don't have milk in Earl Grey. But you know what? You do whatever you want. It's like all those people that drink coffee with milk in. Like, you know, I don't judge them. Well, I judge them slightly. Um, especially when they drink it in the afternoon. They say they love their coffee. I'm like, it's mainly milk and it's going to put you to sleep. So, you know, there's that. Anyway, let, let's get on with the podcast. Let's shut up, Tom. Let's shut up rambling, Cole. And just get on uh, with the podcast. Cole, I didn't have a nickname at school. There's another thing. You know, lots of people have nicknames. It always felt weird when people call me Cole. Uh, but people do. From time to time, friends. Anyway, I think the first thing to say about leadership. Definitely moving on now. Think about leadership is really, really hard. Uh, you know, I joke all the time that there are self-appointed leadership teams. Do you know what I mean? There are people like, oh, we're having a leadership team meeting, and I look around the room, and I'm like, yeah, I've just listened to you interact. The six people here, and five of you are on your phones. There's no leaders here. Um, and, and it is, it's it's super, super hard. It doesn't come with a position in a hierarchy. It doesn't come with length of tenure. It doesn't come with age. Everyone thinks it does. You know, Greta Thunberg is a great example of a global leader. Someone who is looked up to around the world because she's got that sense of purpose. She believes passionately in something and she goes about it in the right way. Totally. Um, so leadership is hard, and I've mentioned in the past, I'm sure I have. If I'm not, I'm going to do it again. I probably, in my 30 years of permanent employment, I probably worked for six. Let's see if I can name them. So so in my first job, I, I was a bank clerk for NatWest in St. Helens, which is in the northwest of England. There was a guy, there was a manager there called Eddie Kuzner, and I really used to look up. He, he was kind of equal parts, rational and emotional. So I, I just, I used to look up to him. Um, there was a guy, at, so uh, my, my, I guess my next big job was as a project manager. I had a boss there called Rob Monk and, 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 oh man, I learned so much. I'm so lucky to have him as a manager. You know, one of those people that comes into your life and he was emotionally intelligent. He was fun, but he also was technically very good. He would roll his sleeves up. He wasn't afraid of being honest with you. I, you know, he told me off a couple of times. He's a 27-year-old fella. Um, he, he took the time to build relationships. He was full of empathy. Just so much about him. Uh, just a cracking, cracking fella uh, to work for. Um, so yeah, Rob, and then I worked at Little Woods. There was a guy called Martin Wyke, who I really enjoyed working for at Little Woods. Uh, I had a guy called Jim Tucker at um, Transpound, now largely in technology, so not many female leaders. I'm afraid I didn't work for many female leaders. Such was technology at the time. I still think it's got a ways to go, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, although I did work for one of my one of my... Last, my last role in New Zealand was working for the Ministry of 
education and I worked for April Parata there and she was really good she was tough and she was tough on us as a team um but she'd achieved so much she was a uh, she was a Maori female in I suppose federal government as you'd call it and so she'd had to co- overcome all of these barriers and cr- great sense of humor uh, but really kind of fiercely determined to drive through change. So learned a lot from her too. So all of these people are coming into your life, you know, and I, I used to keep a little moleskin notebook and I would write down some of the things that they did and some of the ways that they did something, you know, and some of the models that I write now and some of the, the, the modules that I teach are very much based on the things that I learned from these people who were practical things that, and, and these guys really knew how to get things done. So I'm hugely grateful for those people that came into my life. And I and I tried my best to lead at a time when we didn't really know what it was. So I tried to be, I suppose I tried to be a role model for other people. Did I get it right? And I'm not sure any human being can get it 100% right all of the time. That's the, the thing about leadership. Did I ever call myself a leader? No, I would never do that. Um, I think that's for other people to judge. Um, but I, but I, you know, I tried to be as self-aware as I possibly could. Uh, I, I tried to leverage the things that I was good at and I was good at communication and also really worked hard on the stuff that I wasn't good at. And I really wasn't good at kind of the detail stuff and attention to detail and financial. So I had to work really, really super hard at all of those. Um, and I think self-awareness is, is key to leadership. That, that understanding of who you are and what you're about is, is super, super important. So what are, what are five things, you know, based on, on my experience and the things that I've seen and when I look globally at leadership and how it's evolved, um, these for me are, are, are the five important things, especially right now. The first one is, is they make relationship building a priority. It's not done on a whim. It's not uh, passive. They actually make time to build relationships with other people, you know, because they recognize that without those relationships, it's impossible to be empathetic like it is. It's just impossible to be empathetic if you don't have a relationship with someone else and understand what's going on in their life and understand them emotionally as, as, as well as technically. Um, so they do this, it's, and it's not just about having a one-to-one meeting every week, although that's part of it, because that's where they gain those insights. They really do think about how to communicate. They will capture information about the other other person. They'll look for ways to develop them all through the relationship that they've built. Um, so that, you know, they, they, they make relationship building a priority. That's my first thing. The second thing is that, they plan and prioritize the, the, not only their own time, but also that of their team. So they are, they are masters. They're never busy, right? Leaders are never, ever busy. So when, so when all of these people, you know, when, when, when you go and talk to them and say, oh, you're busy right now, they always have time for you. And I don't mean to the detriment of something else or someone else. And they don't work all hours of the night. You know, they, they just really, really good at planning, prioritizing their work. They spend a good chunk of time in, in 
kind of official collaboration constructs like meetings and workshops and stand-ups in order to contribute. But they've also got time for conversation. They've got free time to talk. They're approachable. Um, you know, and, and, and they make sure that, you know, that the team aren't burnt out. They, they have things like capacity plans. You know, they've got a spreadsheet of who's in their team and, you know, the amount of hours that they're available. They recognise that no one can work 40 hours a week, that we're, you know, possibly only productive for about 75% of our week because we have to eat, drink, bathroom breaks, make relationship building a priority, those kinds of things. And they make sure that people aren't overworked. And that and that stems from the fact that they are able to plan and prioritise their own time really, really well. And these are the people that we look up to. And they're good at saying, no, right, I'm, I'm combining about 10 things into one here. Oh, number two, and then it's about 15 things. But they do, because they're so good at planning and prioritising their work, they say no. And they say no positively. So when they get a meeting invite, they'll decline it and say, thanks so much for inviting me. I'm afraid I'm unable to make this time due to a, an existing meeting. You know, they, they do things like that. Um, were, and, and like they block out time for lunch is a 16th thing. They block out time for lunch um, because they recognise the importance of that to give them fuel for the afternoon and no one's allowed to book time in. Maybe the CEO, but no one's allowed to book time in. So that's the second thing. They plan, they plan and prioritise not only their own time, but that of the team. The third thing, and I'm doing a speech on this uh, for a client on Tuesday, is they set expectations really, really well. Uh, so they know that they've got to kind of articulate it to themselves. They've got to know uh, what they need from another person. They communicate it really, really well. So they're thinking about what's the message I need to give to this particular individual at this time in a way that they understand that the message is understood. They then take the time to discuss it with the other person and get to the point where they agree what needs to be done by when to what level of a what level of quality and then they confirm it just to make sure that it's actually landed and and at that point people feel empowered to do the work they're great at autonomy uh, leaders because they set expectations so well you're just empowered to do the work and you feel empowered and you've got everything that you need and you know because they plan and prioritize their own time and because they've made relationship building a priority that if you've got a problem you can go to them at any time so they set expectations really, really well. They hold you to those expectations. If you, if you miss a deadline, they'll take the time to understand why, but then they'll make sure that you hit it. Not for them allowing you to make excuses over and over again. So that's the third thing. The fourth thing is they're inclusive. They're not the smartest person in the room. They will say they're not the smartest person. Like if you think you're the smartest person in the room, you are very clearly in the wrong room. Um, but leaders will recognize the importance of cognitive diversity. They'll recognize the importance of providing people with a voice. Now, that's not everyone with a voice and everything all of the time. That's not what I'm saying here. Um, but, but, you know, they'll, what they'll do is they'll leverage the expertise of others to make sure they get the insights required to make a really, really good decision. That's what they, you know, that's what they, it, it sounds obvious, like all of these things so far, they sound really, really, oh yeah, it's really, really, really obvious. You'll be amazed how many people get invited to a meeting and never get an opportunity to speak, like never get an opportunity to speak. 
Leaders don't do that. They make sure that everyone's included. Uh, not only that, when it comes to things like social activity, you know, what they don't do is they don't put all the onus on creating it themselves um, and alienating other people. They, they involve other people in the organisation of these things and, and, and make sure that people don't feel left out. So that's the fourth thing is they're inclusive. And then the fifth thing is that they don't make the same mistake twice. Now, that's not to say they don't make mistakes. Absolutely, they do. They recognize that mistakes are a part of the learning process. They just don't make the same mistake twice. And when they do make a mistake, not only do they hold their hands up and say, I made a mistake, so they show you know, a huge amount of vulnerability and a huge amount of uh, humility, they also share that learning with other people. You know, and they'll, they'll emphasize that learning is part of being a human being. It's part of being an employee. It's part of contributing. Um, and then because they're always seeking to get better, they recognize, and they it's not like they set out to make mistakes deliberately, um, but they recognize that from time to time they'll make a mistake. And what's important is that they bounce back quick from that. Uh, such that they can learn, become more resilient and add that then to their toolkit. So they're the five things. For me, they make relationship building a priority. They plan and prioritize not only their own time, but also that of their team. They set expectations well, they're inclusive, and they don't make the same mistake twice. Like I said, leadership is hard, but it lives inside all of us. So when you think about those five things, how many of those are you doing well and what can you improve on? Hope you've enjoyed today's Culture and Coffee podcast. If you want to hang out more with us, you can do that at the Culture Makers community, culturemakers.community, or you can connect on LinkedIn. Just search for Colin D. Ellis. Otherwise, have a fabulous day uh, wherever you are in the world. Look forward to speaking to you next time. Draw for now.